Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. We would love to welcome you to this episode of the Build Your Success Podcast. Hey, if you're new, we welcome you to the podcast. If you've been with us a long time, we're great to have you back. You know, here we try to build you so you can build others. We do that through some training we do with corporations and companies and individual coaching, but we also bring in special guests on the podcast so you can learn from others. And today I'm excited. We have got Chip Bell on the podcast today. Let me tell you a little bit about Chip. Chip is a renowned keynote speaker on customer loyalty and the authority of several best-selling books, including Take Their Breath Away, Managing Knock Your Socks Off Service, The Nine and a Half Principles of Innovative Service, and Customers as Partners. His newest book is the just released Inside Your Customer's Imagination. Global Gurus in 2020 ranked him the six, in the sixth year in a row in the top three keynote speakers in the world on customer service. We're going to have fun on this episode. I've seen Chip before in action. He's just a really fun guy to interview. So welcome to the podcast today, Chip. Well, thanks, Ryan. It's fun to be here. We're going to have a good time. I know we are, man. I just I appreciate your energy. You just got great sure. vibes about you. I want to start off today with what I ask most of our guests. What does leadership and being a leader mean to Chip Bell? It means uh, a leader to me is someone who influences others to achieve important goals. It's just that simple. The key word is influence. And when I describe it like that, it is um, takes it out of the, quote, supervisory management executive realm. So anybody could be in a leadership um, function, in a leadership role, maybe not a leadership function. But it's all about influencing uh, people. So that's that to me is the essence of leadership. I love that. I love the fact that you talk about achieving goals because that's so important to all of us is to, is to have goals, number one, but number two, to achieve those goals and, and find a path to success. So that's awesome. Well, let, let, let me ask you about a couple of these books. So, so take their breath away. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that title, why you wrote that book. Well, uh, my sweet spot, so to speak, um, I like to think of it that way. I hope others do, but uh, it's all about innovative service. Um, we all know about good service, and we know most organizations know they're supposed to exceed their customers' expectations. And what they do uh, to achieve that is sort of what they call value-added, which is taking what customers expect and adding more. Now, that's nice. That's generous. The problem is what happens to the customers' expectations is usually they kind of go up right along with that addition. Pretty soon you're going to run out of room. Uh, the other side to it is a lot of times we think about it. Well, like the customer who says, you know, the, or the business who says you're a really great, uh, a loyal guest. We're going to upgrade you to the fancy floor, the concierge level. Well, <laughs> as a hotel, I might need to sell that room or we're going to upgrade you to first class. I might need to sell that seat in first class. So the, there's some challenges associated with value added. I like to write about what I call value unique. That is uh, focusing on an ingenuity and not just generosity, and meaning you're creating an experience a customer totally didn't expect. Uh, and I, what the reason for me that's so important uh, is that it creates a story. You know, we don't talk about good service anymore. 
we talk about unique and over the top service. And so if I can get a customer to tell a story, when the people hear people say, you ain't going to believe what happened to me. And then they tell this incredible story. People will go, I got to try that. That's a much higher pinnacle of loyalty than just recommending you to a family member or a friend. And so to me, what do you do to get people to tell stories, create a unique experience. And so take their breath away is one of several books I've done all aimed at helping organizations figure out how do we do that? How do we create that kind of unique, creative, innovative, unexpected experience that creates a story people can't wait to tell. That is awesome. I love the fact to create that unique experience. It sounds pretty simple on surface, but I know that it's got to be, you know, a challenge to commit to. And then also, you know, when you are unique, you're going to stand out. I mean, everyone's offering rewards. Everyone's doing those, those oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. added benefits, if you will. But you're talking about a unique story and that, and that's going to really make you stand out. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not just a perk. It's an experience. That's you know, awesome. my wife has a new car, you know, she traded in her old car, got a new car. And a week after she had her new car, she turned on the radio for the first time and discovered they had programmed in her radio stations from her trade in. Now, now, what do you think she talks about, the car or the radio? <laughs> and and, and radio. what a way to stand out. I mean, just, yeah, just, just yeah. program. Hey, that's, that's not hard. That's pretty Not simple. hard at all, man. That, that's it's great. That's a great example. I appreciate you sharing that one with us. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's the kind of thing. You know, I like to think about it like this. If customer service was, was a product like Cracker Jacks, what would be your free prize inside? So it's thinking about it a little bit different and it's looking for the opportunity. The challenge is not, you know, I always say there's a limit to generosity. There's no limit to ingenuity. I mean, we can come up with all kind of all day long, all kind of unique creative ways to do it. The biggest challenge is creating a culture where the people who are in interfacing with the customer uh, feel like they've got the trust and, and, uh, and authority to do those kind of unique, uh, unique things. And you've got an organization that thinks that way. Uh, and that's, that's the new books all about helping people inside your customer's imaginations designed to help cultures, organizations think about what do we do to create a innovation culture where leaders lead in a way that results in people being more innovative at the front line. That is wonderful. And, and I see here, you, you, you've trained folks at Ritz Carlton and I, and I heard the CEO of Ritz Carlton and he had one of those unique experiences yeah, former CEO. And he talked sure. about how he gave every one of his employees the the authority to take care of his clients. He for, for he said from the housekeeper all the way up to the, the manager, if I remember correctly, up to ten thousand dollars. They, yeah, they can... the, the message is really not about the amount, it's whatever it takes. You know, and but here's the other side of that, Brian. And um, I had a wonderful opportunity to work a lot with Horst Schulze when he was uh, CEO of, of Ritz Carlton. And I've worked with other presidents since, since he left, since he retired. Uh, but um, the thing is, they didn't just say, okay, housekeeper, you can spend as much as you need to make sure the cat customer leaves happy. They also trained them and they trained them to make smart decisions. They trained them to understand the balance ship of the organization to, and, and to know the economics of the business. And so they, they weren't just, you know, I always say empowered ignorance is anarchy. Uh, and so we've got to also, while we want to provide trust and authority to uh, associates, we also need to equip them. 
uh, we need to equip them with the knowledge and expertise to make smart decisions. So you got a housekeeper who sees a customer is really upset and, and, and they want to make a smart decision. The first thing they, do, they don't necessarily say, okay, I'll give you $10,000 to make you happy. They don't start there. They start with trying to help understand the customer, the issue, what can they do, problem solve. So there, there are steps along the way. They're taught how to make smart decisions, not just give away money. So that's an important piece to that. Um, at, at, but it also sends a message that says to a housekeeper or any employee, we trust you. We trust you to make smart decisions. The last thing you as a customer want is somebody is hearing a frontline person go, I got to go ask my manager. You go, you know, you're just a robot. Why wouldn't you be able to make this decision? Now we know some, you know, decisions obviously require higher expertise, but most of them don't. You know, I pulled into the tire place and, and my, I thought one of my tires was, was low. I got that little flasher on my dashboard that says you got a tire that looks like it's low. And, and I pulled into the tire. I didn't have an appointment. I didn't have, the guy didn't know me from Adam. I pulled in and, and I said, uh, I think my flat, my light's on. I think I've got a tire with a, that's, that's low. And, um, uh, you know, do I need to make an appointment? Oh, no, no, no. As soon as I get this car, you just wait there, get that car off the rack and I'll put it up there and check it, check it. And so sure enough, he did. He, that car came off. I hit put my car up there. He found, you know, uh, they were under the amount they should have. He, he put more air in it and took it back down. And, and he said, we were so glad you came by. And I said, well, how much do I owe you? You don't owe us a thing. But the thing I remember, you know, I did tipping. I did tip it. But the thing I remember is he didn't go say, well, you got to, you got, we got a rule. You, you can't come back here or you got to make an appointment or I don't know. Let me check with my boss to see if I can do this. He, he made the decision like he owned the place and he was a mechanic, you know, at a car, at a tire place. So that's the kind of thing we need. And I think, you know, we've got, when we've got employees who are treated like that, they can make all kind of creative decisions in serving that customer. Well, and you know, the next place Chip is going to look for a new set of tires is, is going to be at that, that spot. Yeah. For a tire. <laughs> and you're telling the story here. You'll tell it to others. It's, that's that's the way it works. It's, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I've got to back up though. I think I, I tried to write it down. Empowered ignorance is anarchy. anarchy. Is, is that what you said? Yeah. Anarchy. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, you want empowerment, but you want it, don't want empowered ignorance. People make really stupid decisions, you know, and that's anarchy. And so, yeah. So we, we, you know, I like to think of empowerment is not unlimited license. It was, it is responsible freedom. And so it's how, how do we, if we think of it like that, I think God gave us all the power all of us can ever use. So it's not about giving people power. It's about unleashing power. And the way we unleash power is we help people make responsible decisions. And that's what Horst Schultze did at Ritz Carlton. It's responsible freedom. It's not unlimited. Life. Just do whatever you want to do. You know, it's not like that. It's what do you take? What does it take with your freedom, with the trust we, we provide you to make a responsible decision? And so that's, that's what empowerment's about. Essentially, it's about trust. I love that. I've, I've wrote that one down. I'm keeping that gold nugget from this episode. You know, that, that unleashing power. I love that one too. Yeah. I had a yeah. previous guest that talked about the guardrails. So 
you got some freedom, but there are some guardrails on either side of the road. You don't want to break the law. Exactly. You don't want to make it immoral, right? That's it. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict? reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. Well, let's talk about something else here. One thing you wrote in your application is don't apply leadership unless it is called for by the recipe of success. I want you to expound upon that for me. Well, I think sometimes leaders, when they get the mantle of leadership, think they're supposed to lead all the time. And, uh, and again, what we need is, you know, remember leadership is influencing people to achieve important goals, you know? Um, and so, um, do you remember? Do you remember the Kentucky Derby, Barbaro? I don't. Do Kentucky. Well, Barbaro was an incredible horse, and um, he had a great uh, jockey named Edgar Prada. Um, Edgar's in the Hall of Fame at at, uh, at Churchill Downs, as is Barbaro. Barbaro won the Kentucky Derby. He was going to win the Preakness, you know, with, you know, the hands down, but he got injured and they ultimately had to put him down. He's an incredible horse. Should have won the triple crown. Edgar never used a whip. And you know how you see these jockeys, they're coming in on that home stretch and they're just beating the heck out of that horse. He never used a whip. And an interviewer said, why do you, why do you never use a whip? He said, why would I use a whip? He's going as fast as he can. I don't have to encourage him to do what he was bred to do and what he loves to do. But I thought a lot about that from the standpoint of leadership. You know, we don't have to lead all the time. We need to be in a leadership mode all the time, but we don't have to lead all the time because some people don't need leadership at any given moment. And what happens when we feel like we got to add, I'm here, I'm your leader. I got to be leading. I got to add value here. I got to be leading. And what happens is people feel snoopervised, you know, or they feel like they're getting, um, you know, it's like a parental role. You know, you're, you're overseeing me, close super, too close to super, you're controlling me. All kind of negative things can come with that. And so I always say, don't add any more leadership than is necessary to achieve important results. And that may mean none. You know, you got great people. You know, I, I watched, you know, watch the Super Bowl and I, you know, and, and my neighbor is Bruce Arians. Uh, he has a home about 500 yards from my house. So, he, he, and, and, and I watched him, and I could see that a lot of times he didn't have to be back on those sidelines to the Tampa Bay Bucks going, now put your best into it. You got to go back out there. You got to go. Those guys were pulling out all the stops. They were doing all they needed. He didn't need to tell them what to do. They knew what to do, and they knew how to do it. And he didn't need to be like, be, quote, leading them at that moment. So I think that's an important perspective for leaders who sometimes get carried away with the, quote, role of leadership. Love it. And, and, you know, I think that goes back to that example you were using with the Ritz-Carlton brand where they're trained properly. 
Yeah. You know, they know what to do. So, so you can have confidence. Some of your team doesn't need leading because they've been trained properly and they know sure. what to do. They, sure. they may need some guidance. They may, they may do those guardrails once in a while, yeah. but for the most part, they're on track. They're on path. That, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I think about it like me. I've been in business 40 years and that means I have not had a performance review in 40 years, you know, and I think people who work around me say, you're pretty dang motivated. I didn't need a boss to tell me to motivate me. You know, <laughs> my customers are enough to the motivation I need. Uh, so at any rate, it's, it's, it's a funny thing how we sometimes confuse the meaning of leadership and what it's required. So that's great. One other thing you said here where people are invited to share, people are invited to share are the ones who feel compelled to care. Yeah, I've always believed people care when they share. And I, I think it is a fundamental principle of democracy. It's a fundamental principle of participative leadership. And that is the whole uh, focus on inclusion. Uh, obviously, it's, we're, it's a big deal right now. People talk about, you know, how do we get people more emotionally, socially, uh, uh, in, physically included? But it is true that when I, when I feel like um, I've got skin in the game, my commitment to whatever the outcome is, is much greater than I just feel like I'm just a robot or a clog in a wheel. And, you know, it, it, I don't have any, any, any skin in the game. You know, I, I, I sometimes go to a fast food restaurant and I go, you know, I wonder what would happen. And I've seen people, I see people on the front line. Uh, frontline employees who are just sort of going through the motion. It's like I, I'm their barrier between them and the clocking out. Uh, and, and it's not that they're giving bad service. They're de delivering indifferent service. And people hate indis dis indifferent service far more than they hate bad service. Because a lot of times bad service, you go, well, it's probably bad supervision or they, maybe the systems or they got all kinds of reasons they can excuse away bad service. But in different service, that just flat out, you don't care. And so I think a lot of times when we, when, when we encounter people like that, I keep thinking, well, what if they had a piece of the action? You know, what if they had something where they had a vested interest in the outcome of this business? Would they be rushing home so quick? Would they be uh, cutting corners? Would they be not taking great care of, of, of me? You know, and, and so I think part of it is it doesn't have to be some economic return necessarily where you commission everybody, but they do feel like this is my restaurant and I take great care of my restaurant and take care of the customers of my restaurant or whatever business it happens to be. But I think that sense of giving people a chance to feel like they, quote, own it. And that's to me what, what, it, what it's all about is how do I make my, all of my associates feel like owners? You know, I like to ask leaders sometimes, if you went off on vacation and while you were gone, um, your, all your employees got together and they took up money and they bought a lottery ticket and they decided that it, what, if they won the lottery, they were going to divide it equally. Obviously, you're on vacation, so you aren't involved. And they win. And it's the biggest lottery ever. And they're now all independently wealthy. And you come back from vacation, they march in and they say, uh, we have decided to all resign, but we'd like to stay on as full-time volunteers. 
what would your leadership be like? And you can't get any more people. What would your leadership look like if all of your employees were full-time, wealthy volunteers? And I did that. I asked that one group one time. I had one manager say, I'd suck up and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> but that, I think the perspective is one of, what if we treated our associates like they were wealthy volunteers? You know, they, they could do whatever they wanted to do. They, I don't have, quote, role control over them. They can walk when they want to. What if we treated them like that? What if that, that, and that's part of the path to thinking of them. What if we treated them like owners and so, or like partners? Uh, that's, to me, the, the kind of mantle of leadership that would create deep commitment and loyalty on the part of the people who are influenced. It's a great way to think about it. And I know when people volunteer for something, they're passionate, their heart's in it. Yeah. Some, yeah. some of the most passionate people are volunteering for not profits and, and doing a wonderful job right. and pay is not what they're after. It's, no. it's, it's something they're passionate about. The purpose is what they're after. Yeah, if exactly. we could deliver that with a paycheck, man, what would we be doing? Wouldn't something that be great? great? Absolutely. And I don't know why you can't treat every business with that same kind of purpose-filled uh, environment where people feel like, you know, I own this place and I'm committed to what it's about. Um, and I can't wait to get to work so I can do it every day. Awesome. So. Well, Chip, tell me what your definition of innovative services, because well, this is one of those things, you should, a topic you love. Yeah, it's a topic I love. And it's a, it, to me, innovative service is, think about it as the root word of innovation is Nova, which means new. So essentially it is new. It is when, they experience, when the customer experienced something they, they didn't expect. And so, uh, and obviously their gradients of, of uh, didn't expect, but when it's positively, and I, 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 to me, the most, the most uh, powerful are those, they would never have predicted it. I mean, it, it, it took them a long time to predict it. That's why the innovative service is so unique is because I wouldn't have, if somebody said, if somebody said, well, about, I wouldn't predicted that my wife's new car, they would have would have programmed in the radio stations. But let me go one step further with that example. So my wife and I drive the same brand of car. And so we take them in to be repaired. I mean, to be serviced. It's about an hour and a half away. And so uh, we always wait when they change the oil and oil filter and all the stuff for normal maintenance. I can always be assured that in the waiting area, there's a Keurig machine with a hazelnut K-cup. Because they ask, now, what's your favorite flavor of coffee? Because we want to make sure that when you come have your cup, your, your star service and you're waiting on it, that your favorite coffee is a part of the choices you have in the Keurig machine, in the waiting area. And that's not hard, but it's taking that one kind of creative step to make it matter. Or what about this? I get ready to leave. My car's been serviced. They know my wife has got a car also, same brand, gets her service there as well. So I get in my car and not only is that cold bought water in a cup holder, but there's a single stem flower laying on the passenger side for me to take home. That ain't hard, but think about how different that is, how unique it is. And so it's looking for all kinds of unique ways to say, what can I do to make my customer go, oh, 
or go, wow, or, or go, oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. You know, my wife and I were recently stayed at a Hampton Inn and, and we, you know, drink our coffee the same way. So a lot of times, and you probably same situation, sometimes you get the machine in the, in the, in the, in the room, in the hotel room, the little, you know, paper cups for you to drink your coffee in. Invariably, if you drink your coffee the same way, you're going to reach that point where you're going to go, is this one mine or yours? But Hampton Inn, on the front of the cups, put on one of them uh, lipstick, I mean lips, like they've been kissed, and on the other one, a pencil-thin mustache. Now, <laughs> you don't have to figure out. And that's whimsical. It's unique. It's different. But I never have to think about, is this one mine or this one hers? And it's different. They could have painted them pink and yellow. I mean, pink and blue. But that wouldn't have been near as creative as letting the customer sort of finish the joke in their mind and make it unique. I bet I've told 100 people about the cups in the Hampton Inn. And so my point is, it's organizations that say, what can we do? Something new, but some, and some, therefore something unexpected that causes a customer to have an emotional reaction and want to tell a story. That's innovative service to me. That is, and I appreciate the example. Again, these real world examples just help us know people are trying. These successful businesses are doing it right. I, I got to ask, did you train your uh, your automotive company on all those service tips? No, they, <laughs> no, no, we didn't. They don't know what I do. They have no clue what I do. Well, then awesome for them, man. That, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. You know, I know you've already given us a few, but in here I, you talk about some insights and tools. Chip, what are some insights and tools for creating experience that turns satisfied customers into loyal advocates? I think part of it is the more that we um, find out about their, every organization knows they're supposed to find out about their customers' needs and expectations. We have all kinds of ways in which we find, kind of learn what are our customers' needs and expectations. But to me, the path to innovative service, which is my interest, is finding out th about their hopes and aspirations. And I'll give you an example. Um, I was working with a pizza delivery company, one you know, big company. And we were Frank, doing lots of focus groups and we were hearing lots of things about their product, their process and their price. And we got frankly bored because we were hearing the same thing over and over and over. And we said, what if we, what if we ask some dreamer questions, you know? So we'd ask questions like, uh, what's something no pizza company, delivery company's doing that would be really cool. And we started hearing kind of cool stuff like, well, what about the box? Box? Well, yeah, you deliver your pizza and I get the box. I get the pizza out of it, but I don't, I throw the box away. What if, why don't you do something with the box? Like what? Well, on the inside cover, why wouldn't you put a puzzle, you know, or a coloring book or a Halloween mask you could cut out, you know? And so sure enough, years later, I'm working with a major paper company that made pizza boxes for this company. And sure enough, inside that, the inside lid was a puzzle or a coloring book or something unique. And, and all I had to do is put a piece of wax paper between the inside of the lid and the pizza to keep it from being sold. But the customer got there by way of saying, what, let's dream a little bit. Let's dream. Let's go outside the normal way we think about service and, and look for things that say that, that, see, that's the innovative side. That's where you get a lot of stuff. Have y'all ever thought about doing it like this, you know? And, and, and so 
you know, I, I do a lot of focus groups with customers in which you try to get them to dream with you. A lot of the, one of the cool ways you could do that is bring kids in. You know, I was working with a major bank on the West Coast and we had a focus groups with customers on Saturday morning and we had a third grader class, third grade class bring a group of kids come and they would come in and they would be a part of the group. We didn't know anything about banking, but they had some great questions <laughs> and they made the people who, the customers who were there think about, oh, why wouldn't you do it like that? Or what if we did look like that? Or why does a bank have to look like this, you know? And so I think bringing that kind of unique perspective, that out of the box kind of thinking, uh, is a is a critical way, and I think it's creating a, a, a an awareness in the organization that says this is important, and creating a path for it to happen. So to me, that's that's um, th those are kind of the one thing I think insight is go ask your customers, not just the usual. You know, the other thing is about when we talk to customers. Sometimes we go in to interview customers like we already know the answer and we're just looking for confirmation you know and, and i go in and say well what if you thought about it like a treasure hunt and you have no clue what they're going to say you know now you're going to hear things in a little different way and so trying to find ways to reframe your questions so you go oh we heard it different this time and so i think to me that's a part of it take that empathy walk with the customer through your enterprise and say Tell me what you see. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what's out of the ordinary. Tell me what doesn't make sense. You know, you'll, you'll often learn a lot of things that you never thought about because we, we don't know. We, you know, we're, we're insiders. We know too much. We can't see it like the innocent customer who's, who doesn't know our systems and doesn't know behind the scenes and doesn't know, well, the reason for that is they don't have all of that. And so we learn a lot, I think, by taking those empathy walks with customers. There's tons of things like that. Yeah, I love that. Give the customers what they want and, and help them create what they want. Give them the, yeah. the open, but back to giving them that flexibility, giving them that openness to, to, yeah. to discover what they want. You know, you talked about those children. I had a previous podcast guest. He told me that there was these school children that went on a tour of a place where they manufactured uh, razor blades. Yeah. And he said that, that while they're walking around, they were discussing how important the automation was and all those things. And one of the students said to the tour guide, so if it's all automated, what are the lights on for? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And they went back and asked the question of the board and said, we don't need the lights in this automated building. They shut the lights off and save money because of a student making oh, a tour. Of course. Why well, they, you know, it's like, you know. <laughs> definitely be open to new ideas well chip it has been wonderful having you on the podcast today oh, my pleasure brian this has I, been fun i enjoyed it I, I want you to tell the listeners where they can find your books how they can get in contact with you those type of things sure sure it's easy chipbell.com you know that's a website i can remember uh and, and uh it and all of my books are pretty much everywhere books are you know amazon be you know barnes and noble all the usual characters where you'd go buy books or go online and buy books they're they're all pretty much there uh the newest book inside your customer's imagination is there and um as well it's available not only in hardback but in audio and in kindle <clears throat> so awesome well listeners i want to thank you for listening to this episode of the build your success podcast today do me a favor go over wherever you're listening to this podcast on that platform leave us an honest review and rating Share this podcast with others. I know Chip shared some wonderful nuggets that your friends could use. So share this podcast with others. Thank you for listening. Remember to build yourself and then build others.
Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.